good. Can you hear us okay? Yes, I hear you fine. Can you hear yes. me well? You, we can hear you well, and we are recording. The, 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 the line is live, so we are, we're doing good. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, Luke, our, uh, our, our, our young podcast apprentice is going to kick off our, our call here. With a, with a very brief line of introduction. Go ahead, Jack. Welcome to Creation Curve Leadership. Tonight's guest is international author Luke Goulet. All right. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. All right, all right. Good so, job, buddy. That was beautiful. That was great job, pal. Great job. Yeah, bravo. Well, that says it all. Thank you. Have a good evening. <laughs> So you are listening to Creation Curve Leadership with Coach and Kimberly. And yes, tonight we are today, this morning, this afternoon, wherever you may be, right? Because we are an international show. People listen to us all around the world at different times. And I'm just rambling on about time zones at this point. So save me. Save me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. So we're here with Luke Goulet. He well, is my name is Luke. Is uh, Luke Skywalker good enough for you? <laughs> Not the same Luke, but almost as cool as the Luke that we have on our show. That's right. This That's right. Evening. So yes. Yeah, so uh, we are talking to Luke Goulet, international author and speaker, by the way. So that's actually how we met you, Luke. Was in, in yes. a in an awesome seminar, which is actually more like five seminars in one. Yes, it was. Well, <laughs> we learned so many things in that session. I was like, dude, my brain's going to be sore for like a week after that. It's <laughs> good stuff, brother. It's good stuff. Well, thank you so much. You know, I know I like to deliver a lot of content, and I will try to be as brief as possible tonight with your awesome questions and uh, looking forward to uh, do my best. And we have no doubt that your best will be mind-blowingly awesome because, dude, that's who you are. So Because oh, well, we've met you. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, Luke, where are you right now? Tell us about where you're at and how the weather is. We're yes, in Austin, so where sure. are you? I'm located in uh, Quebec, Canada, the French part. So, as you can tell with my accent, I'm a French guy. I speak French every day, all day. All the time. So uh, I'm about actually a half an hour north uh, of the border from Vermont. So if you like to map it in, in, in your head. So you go to Vermont, you cross the border, and uh, there's a beautiful village called Magog. That's where I live. Uh, lakefront. I've been living here for over 18 years now. And it's uh, cottage country. There's ski hills, lakes. And oh, it's it very beautiful. relaxed. So it's like, uh, you know, uh, Club Med kind nice. of place. <laughs> Except it's cold. You got to <laughs> enjoy the four seasons and change because right now we're in fall and the days are getting below freezing point. And soon we'll have a lot of snow to celebrate Christmas in white. <laughs> oh, that sounds kind of like Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We we yeah. don't really have four seasons either, but we're the other direction. It's fall here, but it's like in the eighties. So Luke, uh, so a lot of our a lot of our audience is not familiar with your work yet, and so obviously that's why we're yes. we're bringing you on because, because they need to be because we think that uh, there's some important things that 
that you bring out uh, in, in a lot of different facets. But but first of all, just kind of give us give us a, a give us your story in a nutshell. Tell us, you know, how how exactly did Luke Gulley came come to be the man, the myth, the legend? <laughs> <laughs> wow, the legend. That's pretty big. But how it came to be for me, it started pretty early. In fact, when I was a kid, I suffered from a heavy stutter. Hmm. So speak a sentence without stuttering a lot. So imagine my worst fear and phobia was to speak in public in front of people. I would get scared. I would start to stutter. It'd become worse and worse as people was uh, laughing or doing all kinds of expression, noticing how I spoke. So my mom gave me a book of self-hypnosis when I was 14, and it really changed the whole who I am type of thing because within 90 days, I uh, got completely rid of my stutter. So my fear and phobia become became one of my greatest passion, which mm. is speaking public. As you mentioned, I'm a speaker. I've been doing that for years and years. I've been doing a DJ as well. As soon as no I got... No kidding. Yeah. In front How do we of, miss uh, that part? Of people, weddings, school parties, all kinds of stuff like that. So that started my mind frame of believing that anything is possible and that we have this internal strength that is limitless. We just need to tap into it. So I've studied more of the mind tricks, try to dumb it down or dumb it up, I should say. And uh, it's been kind of my parallel life mission to spread the word because it's so simple and easy to reprogram of your consciousness. So what happened to me is after college, I went to see my dad. We owned a small business of kids' shoe stores here in Quebec. And my dad had started franchise. There was a couple of franchises in, in Quebec only. And uh, my brothers and uh, sister, uh, one of each, <laughs> excuse my French, each joined the company and they're older than I am. So after college, I went to them. I said, I want to join, but we have to expand. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see cool. the shoe stores <laughs> everywhere in the country. Thinking so big, I like okay. it. So I became the uh, director of operations at 19 years old, and I went to open franchises across the country, uh, in Toronto, in Vancouver, uh, in the East Coast as well. So when I was 26, I've opened already, no, 23, I've opened already 26 stores. So we were featured in the Commerce Magazine in Quebec, and by the age of 35, we reached over 70 stores. And wow. uh, had two young, very young babies. They're 14 months apart, two boys. And I decided to change my life and begin a new chapter. So I sold my shares to my brother and sister. And I became kind of a uh, semi-retired, full-time dad, husband. Went back to school. Uh, got into the real estate. So I basically built my financial security for the future. And in 2010, when my kids were a bit older, uh, a big flash came to me like a ton of bricks. It's time for my life's purpose now, my, what I call my soul's bucket list. So I began writing my book, The Big Bang Project, Creating Humanity's Best Case Scenario. And now I just finished my second book, which is, uh, which is about the mind. Leverage your mind. The next phase in self-empowerment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, Excellent. It's kind of a follow-up of my second book. And there's a third one coming, which will be Leverage Your Business. Those are the three verticals I want to make an impact. So I've been working hard, learning about this new business, 
and been doing some conferences, been doing some radio, TV also as well at Fox. I'm having fun. I'm sp- And it's all to create a positive impact for individuals and society, in fact. Very cool. That is an incredible story. I had forgotten. I knew, but I had forgotten that you had the stutter. Man, to be able to, in 90 days, make a shift like that, and then to become a DJ and a speaker, that is an incredible story. Yeah, at 14, right? you know, making that, making yes. that shift, that's, that's a huge jump in uh in i don't know in, in capability at that age yeah that's so. a lot of that's a lot of agency that you that you must have felt like when you got this book about self hypnosis did you think it would work did you feel hopeful or was it like sure mom yes, i'll read this I was, book kimberly very hopeful you know i had tried everything no one wants to stutter it's something that gives you no pleasure at all. It's not like right. smoking or eating, <laughs> something that you can exaggerate, or drugs. They give you a kind of pleasure. This <laughs> does not, but it's ingrained in people. And, you know, uh, we've all been hacked in many ways. And one of that is to believe unconditionally some suggestions that we receive that are false. And my dad, he loved me, and I loved him. He's a great man. I admire him. But he once had a speech to me when I was about 10 years old and he had a very small airport local thing and he was a pilot I was flying with him I was 8 or 10 and he my one of my dreams was to become a pilot too and he said forget about it Luke you stutter you can put your life in danger others people life in danger and try to find something in your future that doesn't relate with talking to people <laughs> because he said I wrote I read somewhere that you stutter for life. So if you're born a stutterer, you'll die a stutterer. Wow. read that in the Reader's Digest or something like that, but he believed <laughs> it, and that's the information he gave me. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to set yourself some limits from the get-go, and we're all victims of it in some fashion. So the, the big change was when I realized that, hey, we re- reprogram our mindset, conscious, subconscious, heart and soul at will. So we can deprogram all the false limiting beliefs that we've all received. You can't do this. Don't think about that. You're not good at this. You know, forget about this. And um, uh, we've all received them from childhood. And it, it, it's very powerful to understand the, the, the subconscious mind, how it works. It just absorbs the suggestions in an absolute kind of way, especially if it's repeated over and over. So when you learn that, you say, wow, I can reinvent myself in any way, shape or form. So basically, that's how uh, you uh, start with a great self-esteem and you turn challenges into opportunities to grow. So bring it on, baby. You you know, (laughs) Uh, you grow with failure as well. And uh, that's what you learn. Right on, right on. Sometimes you have a message you believe and you can pinpoint where it came from. And you can say, my dad told me this and I believed it. But I think a lot of times our unconscious messages, we don't even know that we believe them. They they haven't fully bubbled up into conscious thought. And so we have beliefs about ourselves. And sometimes the first step is figuring out what that belief is that's holding us back. Before we can even try to, you know, rewrite it, so to speak. Oh, you're spot on, Kimberly. You know, in, in both of my books, and the same thing will apply in my third book, uh, I talk about the three R continual 
improvement cycle. And the first R is to recognize, and that's what you're talking about. We got to recognize, and that's at the conscious level. And that right. takes an effort. And once you've recognized, then the, the second R is to reset. And that involves reprogramming at the core, reinventing ourselves, being open to change, open-minded, and uh, retune yourself. So you reset your mind frame. And then the last R of my three R is to reinvent, which means put it into action. And you know, change is the toughest things uh, for uh, people and enterprises. All businesses have difficulty in storing change. It's a known fact because people are afraid of it. They, they, they're comfortable with their own reality right now. And change equals a little bit of risk at the same time. And uh, that's what we got to learn is to, to go for it. And uh, it starts with a conscious effort, which is recognize exactly what you said. All right. So, Luke, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here for just a second because th these are great thoughts. But in terms of the states of people's minds, there are so many people out there. They want a better life. They want something different. But they find it really difficult to achieve due to racial issues, economic issues, even systemic issues in politics and government. So yes. with these kinds of scenarios, you know, Kevin and I used to teach in the inner city of Chicago, which was a really tough place. And we I saw these issues show up so often and so early. What can we do about these kinds of scenarios in which, you know, people who may even just, it may be nothing that they're doing wrong incorrectly. It might just be down to the color of their skin, you know, and, you know, the, the racial issue and bias that yes. is so prevalent in, in across you know, across humanity, it's not just an American problem. It's just not a Canadian problem. It's not just an Egyptian problem or India problem or wherever. What can we do about this? <laughs> That's a excellent question, and I take this at heart. This is part of my my vision, my mission, and my purpose. And like I was mentioning, uh, the same thing applies on a social level. That negative vibe that is out there, and right, we absolutely. see it uh, escalate. Lately, and uh, it affects social issues, political, race, gender, religion. It affects everything that is about diversity. So there, I see it in two things. You know, we've been limiting in our personal beliefs and we've been limited as well in our collective mindset in a negative way. And it has a, a very harsh effect what happened is now we come to a place where we judge diversity uh, instead of embracing it and celebrating it because diversity is the base of the universe. Diversity is, is reflected in nature, is reflected uh, everywhere you can look, and that's beautiful. That's why we complement each other. It's not, you know, we, we say we're all equal. Yes, but we're all so different. And where I'm strong, some people are weak. And where I'm weak, many people are strong. And that's the beauty of, of the fact that we're all unique. But we've come to depict uh, this negative thing about diversity in every form, religion, social, political. So this has uh, an effect on our uh, global vibrations and uh, I believe in that very strongly and I can talk about it more in uh, the next questions that will come forth but I believe that we're a majority of 
incredibly good people on earth and there's this minority of negative people that are connected to the wrong vibes of mistrust, of hatred and so forth and they impact all of us. A small few impact the whole world. So we feel what? Powerless. We feel discouraged. We feel like we there's no opportunities left. So that's my purpose basically is to create that change and say, hey guys, we can create this reality we all want. You know, might you be uh, any religion, we all want the same basic ethics of peace and respect and brotherhood and so forth. So let's do it and let's join positive forces together and create this platform of good. I like to say the, the title of my first book was The Big Bang Project, Creating Humanity's Best Scenario. Well, The Big Bang, just imagine this image that is the joining of all positive forces. So the first Big Bang was matter that fused. I'm talking about positive forces and energy. And I think we can create our change. So I see this era, while most people depict uh, our future in a negative way, you know, we look at the movies, we look at all the, the scenarios that we can make up of a very dark future for ourselves, and we sell them here, hey, we can have a great future if we take control. I actually believe we as citizens and individuals and communities are the driving force of society. So if we change our behaviors, we can change the world and have more impact than even the president, uh, by the way. Hmm. Okay. Well, All right. hoping. <laughs> unlike in Canada, our president... Um, is not a vibe I want to follow. <laughs> I would I would prefer to have a Canadian president right now. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we are not building a wall. You guys are welcome. Just dress normally. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. <laughs> we can go over and ride this out, right? You know. Oh, you're speaking, so welcome. You know, we need that, though, more population up here. <laughs> I think a lot of the story that is being told is in in the negative here's the deck that's stacked against you here's here's why you're a victim of your circumstances and i think in some ways that is easier to just accept like well i don't i can't, I, I can't do anything because i'm a victim in this way and Excellent it's not that none comment. of that is yes. valid i think you know are- we, we set ourselves untrue limiting beliefs Like I said, it affects everything in our being. Think about it. You know, uh, my second book is called Leverage Your Mind. Why? Because everything starts with a thought. We create our own lives. We create our future. We create uh, the image of ourselves. You know, that's why I speak of visualization and more tricks to, uh, to change and create the positive outcome by visualizing it, feeling it. The thing is, like you mentioned, we got to go from conscious, then we got to go to the core. And I, right. I speak about the perfect alignment from conscious to subconscious to heart and soul. So then you, you not only believe, uh, think it, you go to the next step, you believe it, then you feel it and you do it. So you become it. Right. So it's right. all a, a process of, of positive change that we got to do ourselves. Like Michael Jackson said, you know, look at myself in the mirror, Uh, you know, man in the mirror. Well, it it all starts with us. So my motto is from self-empowerment 
to local commitment for a global impact. And that's like where that. the change will happen. Yeah, right on, right on. So uh, let's jump to the uh, to your book a little bit then, you know, because yes. that's, that is a thing that you come back to. That's one of the things that stuck out to me, you know, in, you know, as I was reading through your book is, is the visualization piece, you know, and there's been a lot of folks who've talked about that over the years, um, you know, but it just seems like, you know, uh, so much in your book comes back around to that particular thing. At least it did for me. Okay. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just how I read it or whatever, but you know, so what is this visualization piece? Um, why is it, why is it so, so foundational? Cause it's really uh, in your four aces. You just, you just, as you describe them, it's your first choice, right? It's the first ace because it can be used in the other ones as right. well. It's, it's the first basic tool to, uh, like I said, to affect and um, communicate straight to the your subconscious mind. Uh, it's a gateway for learning. You know that the brain is, is remarkable and it remembers numbers, it remembers words, but it'll it'll remember an image much more. So uh, I use it as the first of my four aces. Why? Because you can use it at a conscious level where the other aces are about self-hypnosis, meditation, and magnetism, which requires uh, a very relaxed mind. But it's not woo-woo. It's, it's the next step below the awakening frequency of our brains. So uh, it's an easy gateway to the subconscious mind. But the visualization is strong because it's used in every form. So great things come out of that. You must know that elite athletes all use it to best perform. Oh, yeah. To, to reach their limits. Might you be a high jumper, a swimmer, uh, whatever sports you perform. And I actually just got, uh, I did a, a seminar this weekend, a speech at the tennis club. There was about 40 tennis players there, and I spoke about the the mindset dimension of the game, you know, where we often speak about techniques, tactics, uh, physics, you know, the, your body, you know, the, and what about the mind part? So it plays a huge role, and uh, visualization is the base of it all. But you can use it in many forms. So, again, it's to communicate to your subconscious mind in an easy way. Mm -hmm. uh, you visualize your reality. You know, they've made studies with uh, athletes, for example, basketball players. Let's say that you're injured and you can't really go on the court and shoot hoops. Well, they did something. They put uh, a group of athletes and say, okay, for 10 days, you won't shoot hoops in the gym. You'll visualize them in your mind, 50 hoops per day in your mind while you're at, at a relaxed state of mind. And you had that group, the next group that did the real hoops. Well, guess what? After the 10 days or so, the results on the court were the same. And they had that third group who did both. They're the ones that best perform. So it means that when you visualize something, it's equal to doing it in your mind's reality. So wow. it is huge. That's so what you can use it for, increase your memory, increase your focus and execution, your self-esteem building. Uh, you can turn the negative into positive. I actually have in my book five visualization tricks to turn every negative thought into a positive one. Just wow, to switch the perception. One, huh? So visualization is a great tool. 
just imagine if you do it while you're in the, uh, some kind of uh, relaxed mode that meditation brings you or self-hypnosis. It just empowers the suggestions you give yourself in tenfold or exponentially. So that's why there's many different coaches that speak about it. I like to say that I, I put it in a simple matter and easy to use on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, right on, right on. You know, when I was, uh, actually I was uh, uh, 13 and 16 mm -hmm. when I started studying Tony Robbins and Dennis Waitley stuff. Yes. And so, you know, to bring some some science into uh, in, into what you're saying to back this up, because a lot of people are like, yeah, whatever, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, Those it, are the people that are still stuck. <laughs> well, they are, you know, and that, that's the truth, the truth of the matter. You know, and so much of so much of what uh, what I've been able to accomplish in my career and in my life goals, you know, I think I can write straight back to the practices that I learned when I was when I was thirteen, sixteen years old. Because I first grabbed a hold of Tony awesome. Robbins' book, Unlimited Power, when I was thirteen. Wow! And I found so this Waitley's book when I was sixteen. You must have been a really fun middle school. Oh yeah, I was. I was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, there's the there's, same place, Coach Ben. This is awesome. Yeah, I mean, there there's so much, there's so many empirical studies that can point back to the mind's capability to transcend, you know, just the limitations that we think that we have. And so, uh, I, you, Dennis Waitley worked a lot with Olympic athletes. Oh, for sure. And, you know, uh, I work with tennis players here, and actually, one of my uh, my uh, Pro, a tennis player who just quit the game, but at uh, 18, he was first in Quebec. Nice. And um, he really used it. And his father was his coach, and, uh, and he's still a, a very high-ranked coach here in the province. And uh, he believes that it all starts there. It It's the mindset that makes all the difference. You know, if we talk about tennis, you know, we all know the difference between a Federer and all the the big, the top four and the rest of the field. It's what's be, between their two ears. It's the mindset. You go from choking to in the zone. You win the important points. They all play tennis. They're all great athletes. And the best players are not the ones with the biggest forehand or the biggest serve. They're, it's, it's the ones with the true belief in themselves, you know. Yeah, right on, right on. And it's just, it's fascinating to me all the time where that that comes into play, because uh, I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in my in my students' lives too. As a high school teacher, I still continue to coach a lot of my high school kids from Chicago, and the awesome. kids that 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 bought into the imagery, that bought into the into the story that I that I was telling them, and could see themselves in it. Are now living those stories. Exactly. You know? Exactly. They, they've learned that they can create their reality. So this is why it, it was the first of my four aces. But then again, you know, uh, practicing stuff like self-hypnosis that I've learned at a young age, I still do it. And it's not woo-woo. You can take just a few minutes, a few deep breaths. You relax completely your, your mind and you bring yourself positive, short sentences, suggestions according to what you need to reprogram yourself with, you know, just before an important meeting, just take a couple of, uh, of deep breaths and visualize yourself as a great meeting and give yourself some positive suggestions. It's very simple. 
And when people tell me I don't have time for this, I'm telling them you don't have time not to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right on, man. Right on. Uh, you know, the stress of the day adds up and all of that. And you can wish it all out in, in less than two minutes with a couple of deep breaths. And then you meditate, get it all out. And then you reset your mind frame. And it's so easy. So uh, and when you self-hypnotize yourself, 15 minutes of that is equal to three hours of normal sleep. So for a person like me that's a bit of an insomniac or people that are tired, not enough sleep or this or that, just take 10 minutes and it's like if you had a two-hour nap. It's just incredible. I don't know why people don't know this and why it's not taught in schools because it makes a world of a difference. Yeah. Well, as a fellow insomniac, I I uh, <laughs> I, I, I toast that that uh, that concept <laughs> and practice it on a regular basis because you know. <laughs> well, there you go. So yeah, it's huge. So uh, my role is to take the woo woo out of this and the skepticism <laughs> out, and uh, a lot of of uh, the proofs are out there now. You know, science proves it. It's uh, it's a proven fact with no doubt. So now we've got the science that's connecting with the religion, and it's beyond our five senses. And uh, that's why the mindset and the feeling aspect, the heart and soul, plays an an enormous role in the whole thing as well. So that's why I speak about them in my book, Big Time. All right, so let's break away a little bit here Yes. um, to the the woo-woo factor, okay? Because yeah. you know, in your book, you know, you do dip your toes into the law of attraction just a touch, and some yeah. of the other mystical waters. You don't fall in too deep into in, in the book. Um, so, uh, so, but what about the hard-edged, scientifically minded, you know, guy or gal, and they don't believe in anything that they cannot quantify repeatedly? You know, I once heard uh, yes. uh, one of my favorite speakers. His name is Les Brown. Yes. Uh, Kimberly and I have both been coached by Les, and so mm-hmm. in the in a particular session we were we were with him, and this uh, participant asked him. She stood up and asked him in this very very rehearsed fashion. It's very sing songy. Very sing songy. You it. you want to get you 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 do it better than I do, baby. She said, um, "When did you realize that what you visualize will materialize?" And mm-hmm. then Les thought about it for a second, and he said. Well, when I worked my ass off. (laughs) 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 So it's always, you know, kind of a kind of an an interesting, you know, juxtaposition because you you can't be in the entrepreneurial space without running into the law of attraction somewhere, somehow. You know, someone's talking about it some way, somehow. So, what message would you have for the folks? You know, uh, who are a little more on the skeptical side, maybe a little more on the rigid side and say, yes. I need you. I, I have to be able to see it, quantify it, and you do peer review on it. <laughs> you know, the whole I nine get yards. that. You know what? Um, facts are facts. And those are people that are very logical. And I'm one of them as well. I, I, I started, uh, you know, until I lived it, I've experienced it. I'm not a doctor. And I don't make a living out of practicing those things. I just uh, did it. Why? Because I went out and, and searched about facts. Science is is factual. But the thing is, is that many things are non, 
perceptionable by our five senses. So to measure them, you would need some high sophisticated equipment that we don't have at home, but some people in the science community now have. And what's proven without a doubt now is that we radiate energy and frequencies beyond, beyond our body. They can see it. They can actually measure it. Oh, yeah, we can, can feel it, too. I mean, we go into we a room, you too. can tell who's sucking the energy out of the room. Oh, big time. <laughs> and, and, and that's where we tap into, you know, uh, logical people are good with what is uh, complicated. They'll put the pieces together. But this is human interaction, and this is human behavior and human intuition, which is not complicated. It's complex, and it, you can't really understand it in uh, the same kind of fashion that you do a mathematical formula. But the energy is out there. And it's proven as well that empty space is not empty. It started with a research done by the Air Force in the late 90s, or no, in 88, actually. Uh, they had the right equipment to measure what people have tried before but couldn't measure it. And they've discovered that between matter... What's empty is not empty. It's all kinds of magnetic frequencies and so forth that we don't really understand but is out there. Sure. And we now know between the smallest atoms, there's energy. There's energy between our neurons, our cells. So it's only normal to think that it has something to do with, with what, what we can emit and receive as far as vibrations, energy, uh, frequencies. I like to call it the grid of dimensions, uh, where God reunites with, uh, with science and grid of dimension. G O D is the acronym. Mm -hmm. It fits just great. <laughs> it's all I see out what there, you did there. You know, yeah, all yeah. the frequencies. So basically what we are are receptors of the frequencies we choose to dial into. Just imagine an endless radio where you get to tune what frequency you pick to. So the law of attraction is not just ask and you will receive like the secret says or the law of attraction. It's deeper than that is connect yourself with the right frequencies to emit and to receive from the universe and from others. You know, like you said, Coach Ben, when a, a person that has negative vibes enters a room, it changes the mood of the whole room. Hell so, yeah. you know, and think <laughs> about it. Most of our important decisions in life, if not all, are based on intuition, inspiration, emotional state, you know, who you married, who you pick as your friends, uh, what you want to do with your life are all things that come from the heart and soul and intuition much more than a formula that's out there. So the As formula a matter of fact, of Wall Street lives on that principle too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <It's> true. <laughs> kind of. Completely. They don't know it, but it's true. They think that it operates on like math, but no, no, no. Wall Street operates oh. completely on attitude and how people feel that yeah. day. You can tell when people exactly. feel scared. And everything <laughs> is about human behavior. Might it be relationship? Uh, and if you build a business and you're an entrepreneur, even if it's a career, you deal with people. You, you deal with your boss, which, according to me, is also your customer. You want to satisfy uh, your end customer, and you see it as a part of your being. 
and uh, it's it's beyond the five senses. It becomes a way of seeing success. I like to say that happiness is a choice and success is a mindset. Mm. Mm, I like that. Not bad as a punchline for a Frenchman, eh? Not yeah, bad not bad for all. a Frenchman at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, I hope it answers, you know, the uh, the negative uh, aspect of uh, what logical people might think as woo-woo, it is not. We use it every day. So the more you're tapping, you're tapping into it, the more you're in tune with your emotions, your inspirations, your intuition. So uh, if you're uh, are in a dark place, you will be inspired by dark thoughts. Mm. That's mm. the real uh, law of attraction. You attract what you want to attract and decide to. So you must... Put yourself in a positive mind frame, always. I've heard the term confirmation bias to describe right. that. We've I heard that a lot. I was thinking about that lot. too, actually, when especially, he was talking. <laughs> yeah, especially here of late when, you know, at least here in the United States, when it comes to so much of the uh, the, 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 polit- the political realm, you know, it's so much of the confirmation bias. And people see what they want to see. Exactly. It's all a question of interpretation and we can switch that around. And if you interpret something that is negative for you or those you love or your life, just switch it off and just disregard it. You know, the, the, the huge damage done by negativity, uh, is not spoken about it enough. We speak about the power of positive thoughts. Yeah, for sure. And I'm all that. But you got to understand the power of the negative and mm, it creeps mm. on you and it grows on you like from a fungus. Uh, <laughs> like a fungus. You know, like I said, a few bad people impact the whole world. You know, terrorism is less than what percentage of all people on earth? Oh, it's such a minuscule amount. Exactly. So why would they affect all of our uh, mood swings? And, you know, I like to believe that even if some people are bad. They don't represent the, the the whole of us. So let's just disconnect from that and look at in every strategy, might have been in uh, Las Vegas or just recently in New York, mm. see the solidarity, the, the, the good that comes out of the bad. You know, the yin and the yang, eh? It's always been there in the universe. It's the polarized force. But the good, it takes a guy like Luke to work with the, the, the dark and the good forces. But uh, I really believe it's true, you know? Yeah. You know, the thing is that terrorists, they understand the power of negativity. Oh, yeah. That's the whole game plan, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, we're going to do sure. this thing and we're going to inspire fear and negativity mm, and dread mm. and defeatedness and. They're looking to make an impact, not just on the people, but on the whole mindset of the country. Yeah. That's, and so they understand right. it. So yeah. it's a question of how much we play into it on some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, let's go back. Uh, the probabilities that such an accident happens to us are very, very slim. So it must not take all of our inner spirit for such a low probable uh, uh possibility and for such a minority to be expressing it and believing it it takes too much space we hear of it every day you know and uh we should hear of all the good things that happen and i understand i get it that the media is has to be sensational 
and right. those stories attract and they get the viewership out there. But let's not be, uh, like I said, hacked by it. Right. And I think that has to do with our cultural mindset too, though, because if positive stories attracted viewership, if we were interested in that, if we were listening to that, then they would play more of that <laughs> because it would pay them money. You know, it's, it would be their business. Yes, I think so too. But we, we got to create this new vibe. And that's what I believe, Kimberly, that, that we got to change the mindset of people wanting to hear good news, but news that affect them. So that's why, again, from self-empowerment to local commitment, it all it's all going to change on a local level. And where the local media, if if there's something happening, you know, look at all, all the time they spend for their hockey teams or baseball teams or football teams on the media. What if we reunite and create a local platform of where all positive forces are out there? Chamber of Commerce, local business. Uh, foundations, associations, church groups of different vocations uh, and beliefs, and they all reunite to create really a, a big platform of change. Maybe the local media would get it, and I believe they would. Yeah, right on. So let's shift gears to one more thing before we yes, before we bring it in for landing. You know, in the in the seminar that we uh, that we hung out with you in, um, you talked about. How social repair can be a function of entrepreneurship, and how business could be a major factor factor in that social repair. Now, in the current mindset, we see if you watch any movie from the 1980s, <laughs> we know yes. that the big businessman <laughs> is the great evil, right? I mean, that's, yes, that's what we all learned in the 1980s. Um, <laughs> so. So this is going to be a, a little bit of a, a of a crunchy place for some for some folks to kind of land in, you know. How can we you. how can we affect a social repair and still make a profit? This is an awesome question. I love it, and it's part of my message too. You know, we have to see uh, that capitalism has evolved in a very sad way. It has changed. The game has changed. What? is become more rare is opportunity. Hmm. Why? Because big corporations have taken control of every market. So, and their intent, their sole purpose is profit, profit, profit. More and more, they have shareholders that give them all the stress in the world to produce profit no matter what. And this mentality has changed the game. So, when my dad started way, way back a business uh, with a kid's shoe store, you couldn't do the same thing now. The big corporations have taken over the markets and uh, you can't go into big shopping malls or whatever. Big chains have done that. Big corporations have taken it all. So I understand this this point of view of, you know, they're in for the buck and that 1% versus the 99%. But I'm here... I'm here to say that that's because we made it so. And yeah. part of the shift is going to happen within our communities and our own individual behaviors. Because let's remember the facts. Again, small and medium businesses are a huge regional contributor. They employ over 60% of new jobs. They strengthen local economy. They pay uh, taxes. They pay their income taxes. 
to uh, you know to the government to the and they employ local people they employ also different services might it be office supplies and their own needs from local businesses as well right so on. so if we encourage the smallest and the local uh, small and medium local businesses to thrive it would make a huge change and these people are part of the community and they're satisfied with a okay profit you know it's not the same point of view of the of, of big uh, public corporations that needs always to increase their profit. We're satisfied as, uh, as individual as enough is enough at one point. How much is enough, which is not the game with the big ones. And, you know, we've seen a shift in the past decade where even the big ones have to realize that capitalism has responsibilities. And one of them that we saw that we've witnessed, and it's still ongoing, but it's the environment. So I say, okay, you know, now there's a consideration much more than ever of the environmental aspect of their actions. Well, what about their social responsibilities? And that's what I come in. I say, we're part of the solution as entrepreneurs. And if the big players don't want to regionalize forces by partnership, by franchising, by making distribution uh, at more places so you have more places closer to the community. I believe the whole chain must be as close to the customer and the consumer as possible mm-hmm. where you extract the goods, where you you make the goods, so you create the jobs as much as you can, of course. So we choose where we buy as individuals And it's stronger than voting every four years because we do it how many times a day? Well, think about it before you buy. Think Mm -hmm. of where the job goes, where the profit goes, where the tax goes. Three big questions before you go to the web or encourage a big, big chain that is nowhere near your your region. uh, The profit doesn't stay there. So I think that if we, we get it, did you know, my friend, that... If every person in a community of just 1 million people would increase their local purchase by $20 a week, it would create over 10,000 jobs in that community alone. That's That's a crazy number, dude. That's a crazy number. It's a crazy fact, and people don't realize this impact. So I'm here to say, yes, capitalism is this monster that we've created ourselves because we think of our wallet first, and to save a few bucks – we're shooting ourselves on on the foot because we we've made the local businesses disappear and and that's what it has to come back to yeah. strengthen the local businesses so I, i'm there with you know that's why my third book will be leverage your business to teach all i've learned in, in my life's experience and my mba what the local entrepreneurs don't have time to do, they don't have the whole sure. team of marketing department, legal department, production, and all of these. They do it, you know, on with a small scale team. So uh, they're the ones that we need to help a lot, and it'll impact every community. That's for sure. Yeah, is that's you know something that we've even seen here in Austin. Oh yeah, is this strong local? You know, there's been a, there's an ethos of strong local support yeah, for the local a business shift that's going on. Oh, and yeah. that's why everybody wants to come here. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You, well, you hardly it's can part find of the game. Restaurants. Yeah, you know what I believe is, as a community, it's not just where you are; it's who you are. Identify yourself 
as what resonates as your community. And I would think that the local businesses could work together and create a local brand. Think about it. Every uh, locality or every province or state or whatever would have in their different region, different local brands that local entrepreneurs work together to create. That would create jobs as well. Mm-hmm. So let's think of uh, of this as who we are, uh, not just where we are. Right on, right on. <clears throat> so, Luke, let's go ahead and bring on this son for landing. So I know a lot of our folks have, have heard you today or tonight or this morning, whatever whatever time zone they happen to be in. By the way, I think it's worth mentioning that you are our very first international podcast oh, guest. Well, that's an honor. Yeah, Woo. yeah, man, you're you're a pioneer with us already. So, um, so, so that's awesome. But but tell people where they can find you at on the web. Yes, they can find me. Uh, I got four websites actually. One under construction, but the main one would be the LukeGoulet.com. Okay. And from that point on, you learn what's my vision, what's my mission, and my three verticals. Like I said. A Better We with my first book, The Big Bang Project, uh, A Better Me with The Leverage Your Mind, and The Better Your Business. So each of them have their own websites as well. So start with LukeGoulet.com. It'll guide you to any place you want to go that fits what you want to do with what I propose. <laughs> right on, right on. Very cool. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll post that in the show notes too so people can click through and find that real easily too. So. Thank you so much. I look forward to hear from all of you guys. And it's teamwork. And uh, that big goal of mine depends on the participation of as many people. It's never a one-man show. I don't provide the ultimate solutions. We will together. Yeah, that's awesome, brother. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, you've been listening to Creation Curve Leadership with Kimberly and Coach and international author and speaker, Luke Goulet. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you next time. Yep, talk Thank to you, you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Peace. Bye.